Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center here in Austell, Georgia. Pay attention to this message. I believe God is gonna say something to you that is gonna bless your life, change your life, and empower you and equip you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Listen up, and we'll talk to you at the end of today's broadcast. So Luke chapter 24. We're gonna look at verse one. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre, bringing spices, which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and they entered in, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto him, Why seek ye the living among the dead, or why do you look for the living among the dead? Say, why do you? Look for the living among the dead. So then they go, he is not here but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the leaven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother, James and other women that were with him, which told these things unto the apostles. So as a group, the women went to the tomb, and as a group, they left to tell the apostles what the angels had told unto them. And so we're going to take the story of the resurrection a different way today, and I just have three questions I want you to consider before you leave this place. Number one, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Or to say another way, why do you look for the life-giving among the things that only bring death? Why do you look for the life-giving among the things that only bring death? See, yes, you're here in the house of God today celebrating that Jesus is alive. But what about Monday? Will you be looking for the living among the dead? Will you be looking for life-giving alternatives among the things that only bring death? See, the thing is they may look good, but even the Bible says there are things that are right in the sight of a man, but it brings death at the end. So are you looking for the living or the life-giving among the things that only bring death? Go to John chapter 11 with me. We'll look at a second question. John chapter 11. We're going to rewind a little bit from the resurrection, a little bit more than a week before Jesus rises from the dead. He gets word that his good friend Lazarus is sick and it's bad. Now, Jesus was good friends with Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha. But, you know, one of the things we pause as we consider the story, Jesus, the Son of God, had friends. Jesus, whenever we're in a group, he did life together with people. People say, like, oh, I can't hang out with other Christians. There are too many hypocrites. Everybody's a hypocrite compared to Jesus. <laughs> but the Son of God had friends. The Son of God hang, hung out with people. The Son of God was friends with others. He did life with people, so if Jesus could do life with people, if Jesus, who knew everything, could hang out with people, what's our excuse? So his friend's sitting where your good friend Lazarus, he's sick, it's really bad. But then Jesus answers the report, because remember, you call things that be not as though they were. He said, this sickness will not end in death. That won't be its final result. It will end in the glory of God. It will end in glory for the Son of God. Now, before people get into theological questions, no, God did not make Lazarus sick. God did not put sickness on Lazarus so he can get glory in the end. That is weird. That is twisted. That is sadistic. That is not how our God rolls. 
But Jesus said, this sickness will end in glory, not in death. So a couple days go by, and then Jesus says to his disciples, hey, we have to go up into this area. And they said, why do you want to go into this area? Last time you were there, people tried to kill you. They said, Lazarus is asleep. And they said, well, if he's sleeping, he's doing good. And Jesus is like, y'all don't get it. He's dead. Now, you have to think, notice the terms Jesus used. If you're asleep, you can wake him up. Jesus said, I'm going to wake him up. But if he said originally he is dead, they would think it is over and it's permanent. Remember, Jesus calling things that be not as though they were. And so Jesus said, let's go to wake him up. And his group had no faith whatsoever because Thomas spoke up and said, well, let's go with them so we can all die together. They really thought they were going back in the air and they're all going to die. So they get closer to the area and Martha hears that Jesus is coming. And she ran out to meet him and said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. Listen to her faith. She said, Jesus said unto her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See, Martha's theology was right. There is a coming resurrection where all the righteous will be raised up and all the wicked will be raised up, the righteous to everlasting life, the wicked to everlasting damnation. She knew that day was coming at the end on the very last day of time. But that's her theology said, that's when Lazarus will get up again. But Jesus says, wait a minute, yes, that event is coming, but I am the resurrection. I am the life. Could it be possible there are some things you put off for the future that Jesus can do in your life today? There's some things like, well, I can do it, I can do it, okay, man, it's going to take me all these years, and you're in all your planning, especially for people who are very logical and good planners. Yes, we should have people who are good planners, but there's some things you're trying to plan out that Jesus wants to do right now. So Jesus tells Martha, I am the resurrection, and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believest thou this? My second question to you today, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Not just do you believe it in church where everybody can say amen together, but do you believe it on Monday? Do you believe it on Wednesday? Do you believe it when you're having bad days? Do you believe it when you're having good days? Do you believe it when Satan attacks? Do you believe it when your kids act crazy? Do you believe it when people at your work are just tripping? Do you believe it when people are trifling and ratchet towards you? Do you believe this? Because how much you believe is going to change how you act and how you view problems. Do you believe this? She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the anointed one. That's what Christ means. You are anointed. You have the burden removing, yoke-destroying power. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, which should come into the world. So Jesus goes to the tomb and says, take away the stone. And Martha's there and says, but he stinks. Lazarus has been dead four days. He stinks. He is decomposing. And Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And it says he cried. He began to pray. He says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I'm praying this prayer. So everyone else knows that you are the one who sent me. So Jesus had already prayed about it. He's already discussed it with the Father. He already knew what he was going to do. But he prayed this prayer out loud so people around know that he's the Son of God, that God sent him. And then he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And then Lazarus came out of the tomb, wrapped in grave clothes. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go.
that many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. So number one, why do you look for the living among the dead? Number two, do you believe this? Do you believe in your everyday life that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Go to Luke chapter 22 with me. So let's go to about four days before Jesus raised from the dead. Let's rewind again. Three questions. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And do you believe this? So they had the Last Supper. They sang a hymn together. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is weighed down by stress and the emotional pressure that's about the sacrifice is about to give. And the disciples are feeling the same weight because Jesus said, one of you is about to betray me. And it says that in verse 45, because Jesus went to pray, and he says, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but thine be done. So he's praying, and he comes back to his disciples that he asked to pray with them. You know, wait a minute, how prideful can we be? If we don't want people to pray for us and pray with us, and Jesus asked people to pray with him, Jesus asked people to pray for him, that means we have to be willing to do life with people and ask, hey, can you pray for me? Hey, can you pray with me? This is what I need help on. This is what I'm believing God for. And so in verse 45, when Jesus rose up from prayer and was come to disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow or they were weighed down because of the emotional stress. Notice they replied to the stress in two different ways. The stress came, Jesus prayed. The stress came, the disciples went to sleep. And he said unto them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter or fall into temptation. It says in the message version this way, he got up from prayer and went back to the disciples and found them asleep. Drugged by grief, he said, what business do you have sleeping? Get up. Pray so you won't give in to temptation. So my third question for you today. Are you dozing when you should be doing? Are you dozing when you should be doing? They should have been praying, but they were knocked out. Are you dozing on your marriage? Are you dozing on raising your kids? Are you dozing on the call of God that's on your life? That you're asleep at the will when you should be doing? Because if you fall asleep, you will miss what God wants you to have, and you'll fall into the trap Satan sets. So three questions. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Do you believe this? And are you dozing when you should be doing? See, Romans chapter 6, 4 says this way, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of God. And because he was raised up by the glory of God, we have been raised up and we should live new. Meaning we shouldn't live like we used to live before we were saved. You see, the thing is, it's not your good works that get you in heaven. Believe it on Jesus gets you in. And so the thing is, you don't do good works to get on God's good side. You are forever on God's good side. He sent Jesus for you. You are on God's good side forever. So you don't do good works to get God to like you. You don't do good works to get God to love you. You do good works because you believe on Jesus. You do good work because that's just who you are. You love people because that's who you are. You forgive people because that's who you are. You pray for the sick because that's who you are. You are the light of the world because that's who you are. You're not doing it to get God to like you or to love you. That's already settled. You're forever on God's good side. But after you make a decision for Jesus, you should walk in the newness of life. 
Romans 8, 9 through 11 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. The Holy Spirit of God, the very glory of God, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you, Christian. Not will be one day, it's in you right now. If you believe on Jesus, that power is in you right now. The resurrection power of God is not just available to you, it's in you right now. So because that is true, because you have the resurrection life and power of God on the inside of you right now, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for life-giving alternatives when God has placed resurrection life on the inside of you? Do you really believe this? Do you believe that you have resurrection life on the inside of you? Do you believe you have resurrection power on the inside of you? Do you really believe that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you? Because if you do that, you will view life differently. Instead of saying, oh, life is just happening to me, you go and happen to life. Instead of saying, I'm an accident going somewhere to happen, no, I'm a miracle going somewhere to happen because the life of God's on the inside of me. See, because all of these things are true, since you have this resurrection life and power, are you dozing when you should be doing? To paraphrase by Kanye, what are you going to do with all that power? You have power right now. What are you doing with it? Are you running from it? Are you ignoring it? Are you scared of life when what's in you can scare the demons out of life? I'm not saying one day you'll have resurrection power. I'm not saying one day you'll be anointed. I'm saying right now you're anointed. Right now you have resurrection power. Right now you have the life of God. Right now you have the glory of God. It's in you right now. You don't have to pray for it. You got it. But are you dozing when you should be doing are you dozing on that power when you should be using it? See, Romans 13 says it this way in verse 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed, or the return of Jesus even closer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? He's alive. But he's wrapped in grave clothes. He's wrapped in the things of death. He still stinks even though he's alive. That's like some Christians. You're saved. You're going to heaven. But you look like a mummy. All your grave clothes on. Oh. Look like an old school horror film. But when Jesus says, you got to take off those grave clothes. You have to walk in that newness of life. Because your clothing should match who you really are. Because on the inside, you're different. So the thing is, your life should match the changes already happened on the inside. And put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not partying in the club at night, not chambering and wandering, not smoking a bunch of weed and drinking. Well, pastor, what's wrong with that? See, spiritual immaturity asks what's wrong with something. Spirit maturity asks what's right with it. 
Because even if it's legal, does not mean it's for you. So if you don't drink, you don't smoke, don't look down on people who do. People say, well, why don't you don't? It's just not for me. Because the thing is, if you have the resurrection life of God, not everything's for you. The Holy Spirit on the inside is joy. It compares. Let's see, the thing is, anybody who drinks to get through life is taking a cheap alternative to the Holy Ghost who's on the inside of you. When you turn into things looking for life-giving alternatives among the things that only bring death, that's not for you. You don't need it. You're selling for cheap substitutes when you have the power of God on the inside of you. See, now you're drinking to try to cope when you have power and you can speak and things can change. You see, the thing is, with life was not meant to go through sober. But the thing is, if you just keep drinking and drinking and drinking, spend all your money on alcohol and destroying your liver, you're going to need another drink one day. You'll keep needing another drink. But if you have the life of God on the inside of you, not only do you have joy, you was like, you know what, I'm not putting up with this situation anymore. I'm going to start talking like Jesus. I'm going to call things that be not as though they were. I speak life to this situation. I speak life to my body. I speak life to my bank account. I speak life to my mind. I speak life to my family. I'm not selling in depression anymore. I have the joy of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not settling for the things of death. I'm not looking for life-giving alternatives when the life of God is on the inside of me, and I believe it enough to live different. Not in strife and envying. Come on, we can't be looking like everyone else gossiping and tearing people down. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and put make no vision for the lust of the flesh. It's time to wake up. Now, some of you are morning people. How many morning people do we have in here? God bless you. <laughs> How many of you are like me that you may need five to seven alarms to wake you up in the morning? That you don't just set one, there's two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like I got alarms after alarms after alarms. My phone has alarms. Alexa has alarms. It's like I need some of these alarms to get me going. And so the thing is, just like there's alarms in the natural, the Holy Ghost sends alarms to wake you up, to get you moving. That's part of the message today. He's waking you up to your purpose, waking you up to your calling, waking you up in your marriage, waking you up and raising your kids, waking up in what God has called you to do. He's like, Pastor, I'm not asleep, but some of you are. See, the thing is, think about the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, they had to fully process. They didn't realize what was about to happen. They didn't realize that their Jesus was about to be taken from them. They didn't realize their Jesus was about to go into this mock court. They didn't realize their Jesus was about to be spit on and beaten and his beard plucked from his face and crown of thorns jammed in his head and be beaten with whips and rods. They didn't realize their Jesus was about to be crucified and to die. They hadn't processed that yet. But think about this. If they realized all that, do you think they would have fell asleep in the garden? If they knew this was the last hours with their Jesus, don't you think they would have stayed awake? Don't you think they would have been doing instead of dozing? See, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming soon. And if you knew the exact amount of days that so Jesus came back, don't you think it would have changed how you live today? Whether he comes back tonight or 100 years from now, you have that knowledge that I'm going to live on purpose because Jesus is coming back on this day, so I'm not going to be dozing when I should be doing. We have to wake up. We have to awaken because God has things for us. It's time for us to wake up. Jesus is coming. It's time to throw off the grave clothes. 
and walk in the resurrection life and power of God. Ephesians 5.14 says, wherefore he says, awake thou that sleeps, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Walk circumspectly means pay attention to every single area of your life. Don't fall asleep in any area. But as wise, redeeming the time, which means taking advantage of every single opportunity. You can't take advantage of every single opportunity if you are asleep. You will miss opportunities if you're dozing instead of doing. Because the days are evil. See, the thing is, we have to come alive. We have to wake up. There's work for us. There are things God has called us to do. So you must come alive. Say, I must come alive. Look at your neighbor and say, come alive. Look at your second favorite neighbor and say, come alive. Look at someone behind you and say, come alive. Come on, shout out say, come alive. Come on, shout it louder. One more time. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 as we close. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. See, as individuals, we're filled with the life of God, filled with the resurrection power of God, filled with the glory of God. It's on the inside of us right now. That's the fact of your salvation. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Notice what it says. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In Philippians 1.19, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The word supply also means contribution. You have a supply or a contribution of the resurrection life of God. You have a supply of the resurrection power of God. Although we all have our individual supplies, we all have individual anointings. We all have individual giftings. We're all graced to do different things. That even if we have similar callings, the way the grace of God manifests in our life appears different because the graces on us are different. We all have these individuals' equipment given to us by God. But we are infinitely more powerful together than we are as individuals. Because as the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by which every joint supplies according to the effectual working and the measure of every part. So when every part comes together and gives its supply or its contribution, the body grows. When everybody gives their supply or their contribution, it increases. Meaning what we can do as individuals is great, but what we can do together is even better. We are better together. See, the thing is, we have to develop in our mindset. We don't just come to church to get something. That's good. You can start there, but you eventually have to mature and say, well, I'm coming to church not just for me. I'm coming to church to be a blessing to somebody else. That even if you're not serving on Team Faith on that Sunday, maybe the person who sits next to you is blessed because you said something good is going to happen to them, because you smiled at them, because you encouraged them. That instead of, you know, rushing out to the parking lot very quickly after church, you actually say hi to somebody. So, well, Pastor, I'm hungry. We are all hungry. But on your mad rush out to eat, hey, you hungry, I'm hungry. Let's, let's our families go together. 
Because the thing is, remember, the women went to the tomb together. They came back from the tomb together. Jesus hang out with people together. All through the book of Acts, they are together. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they're gathered in one accord in one place. They are together. In Acts chapter 4, they're gathered in one accord in one place. They are together. And every time they're together, the Holy Ghost falls. They are together wherever they went. They didn't do life as individuals. They did it together. We need each other. You being MIA is not just an issue for you. It's for the person you're supposed to do life together with. We are infinitely better together. We can infinitely do more together. Even Paul said in Philippians 1, the great apostle Paul asked for prayer. He says, I know my situation will turn around because you're praying and you're giving your supply of the Spirit. There are things that happen quickly as we come together and pray. You see in the book of Acts when Peter is arrested, it says the church together prayed. They didn't stop praying. And as a result, God sent an angel that delivered Peter. Why? They started praying together. They did life together. See, even Matthew 18, Jesus said, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We are better together. God has not called us to be Christian islands. We need each other. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll close here. Because Ephesians chapter 2 says, verse 21, In whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. You know, as individuals, we are the temple of God. God lives in us. The resurrection power of God, the resurrection life of God is on the inside of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6. But the thing is, God is not just building us as individuals. God is building us together. Because not only does God want to do something through us as individuals, God wants to do stuff through us together as a corporate body of believers, as a family, as a tribe, as a group of people who together God can use and do great things through. See, Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting or encouraging one another even more as we see the day approaching, the return of Jesus approaching. So that means we're to go to church even more when we see Jesus coming closer. People are like, oh, it's the end of days, it's the last day, Jesus is coming soon, that means you should go to church more. But even more than just going to church on Wednesdays and Sundays, that means you need to do life with more Christians. That this is not the time to find yourself as a Christian island. But it's a time to find yourself in a Christian community. I'm not saying you live in a neighborhood that only Christians are in your neighborhood. I'm saying you're doing life to people, that people can call you and check on you. People can pray with you. You're pouring into others. People are pouring into you. You're living life together. We have to do this thing together. Individuals, we will fall apart for together. Satan can't push you down. We have to be in this together. So, go, well, Pastor, people have issues. Well, you got issues. We all got issues. There's only one perfect person in the room, and his name is Jesus. Outside of that, we all got issues. Look at your neighbor and say, you got issues. Look at your other neighbor and say, you have a whole subscription. <laughs> we all have issues. We all have some unique things about us that those who love us overlook. Right? Because even the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And so the thing is, don't come to church thinking you're going to run into perfect people. There's only one perfect per person at church. His name is Jesus. And when you have that expectation, you'll be less hurt and less offended. 
Just now there are people at every walk of life in this house. Some are mature, some are not. Some are filled with love, and some will one day be filled with love. Just know that we're all at different stages together. We're in this together. If we expect to bring change to Austell, Metro Atlanta, Georgia, and the surrounding regions God has called us to expand to, we're not going to do it as one individual. We're going to do it together. That together God wants to work through us with his resurrection life and power to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. That's what God wants to do through us. He's building us together. Stop saying, I don't have anything to offer. You have life in you. You have everything to offer. You have gifts and talent in you to offer. And there's some things that you won't even see until you get in a company of believers. The anointing that's on me right now to preach and teach is not on my life just at home, that I'm sitting at home and all of a sudden the power of God comes on me and deep revelation comes and I just feel like teaching. That's not how it works. <laughs> he comes on me for you. He empowers me for you. There's empowerment you have for others. There's giftings you won't even see manifest into your life until you get into a believing community. Until you do life with other people. It's time out for us to be islands. It's time us for us to be a faith family. We're all different. We all have different backgrounds. We all look different. We all think different. That's what families do. It's time for us to be a faith family. And rise up together to do what God has called us to do. And together we'll manifest the resurrection life of God. Together we'll manifest the power of God. Together we will change this area. Because, you know, the psalm says that where there's unity, God commands the blessing. That's where the anointing flows from the top of the head to the soles of the feet. But the thing is, you can't be unity when it's just you. It only can be unity when you're with others. So let's do life together. Let's live in the power of God together. Let's be a blessing to others together. And we're going to see God do amazing things in us and through us. And this area, this state, and this region will never be the same. Thanks for watching the Faith Broadcast today. We hope you enjoyed the message. We'd love to hear from you. So if you're watching us, you can follow us on social media. Our social media handles on Twitter and Instagram is at WeAreFaithATL. You can also go to our website at FCCJ.com. Follow us on social media. Follow us on our YouTube channel. Contact us online. We'd love to hear from you. Have a wonderful day.